Chapter Five of A Small Boy and Others. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by M. B. A Small Boy and Others by Henry James. Chapter Five. The not very glorious smoke of the Mexican War, I note for another touch, had been in the air when I was a still smaller boy and i have an association with it that hovers between the definite and the dim a vision of our uncle captain as he then was robert temple u s a in regimentals either on his way to the scene of action or on the return from it i see him as a person half asleep sees some large object across the room and against the window light even if to the effect of my now asking myself why so far from the scene of the action he was in panoply of war. I seemed to see him cock-hatted and feathered, too, an odd vision of dancing superior plumes which doesn't fit if he was only a captain. However, I cultivate the wavering shade merely for its value as my earliest glimpse of any circumstance of the public order, unless, indeed, another, the reminiscence to which I owe to-day my sharpest sense of personal antiquity had already given me the historic thrill. The scene of this latter stir of consciousness is, for memory, an apartment in one of the three Fifth Avenue houses that were not long afterwards swallowed up in the present Brevoort Hotel, and consists of the admired appearance of my uncles Gus and John James to announce to my father that the revolution had triumphed in Paris and Louis-Philippe had fled to England. These last words, the flight of the king, linger on my ear at this hour even as they fell there. We had somehow waked early to a perception of Paris, and a vibration of my very most infantine sensibility under its sky had by the same stroke got itself preserved for subsequent wondering reference. I had been there for a short time in the second year of my life and I was to communicate to my parents later on that as a baby, in long clothes, seated opposite to them in a carriage and on the lap of another person, I had been impressed with the view, framed by the clear window of the vehicle as we passed, of a great stately square surrounded with high-roofed houses, and having in its centre a tall and glorious column. I had naturally caused them to marvel, but I had also, under cross-questioning, forced them to compare notes, as it were, and reconstitute the miracle. They knew what my observation of monumental squares had been, and, alas, hadn't. Neither New York nor Albany could have offered me the splendid perspective, and for that matter neither could London, which, moreover, I had known at a younger age still. Conveyed along the Rue Saint-Honoré, while I waggled my small feet, as I definitely remember doing, under my flowing robe, I had crossed the Rue de Castiglione, and taken in, for all my time, the admirable aspect of the Place and the Colonne Vendôme. I don't now pretend to measure the extent to which my interests in the events of 1848, I was five years old, was quickened by that souvenir, a tradition further reinforced, I should add, by the fact that some relative or other, some member of our circle was always either there there being of course generally europe but particularly and pointedly paris or going there or coming back from there i at any rate revert to the sound of the rich words on my uncle's lips 
as to my positive initiation into history. It was as if I had been ready for them and could catch on. I had heard of kings, presumably, and also of fleeing, but that kings had sometimes to flee was a new and striking image, to which the apparent consternation of my elders added dramatic force. So much, in any case, for what I may claim, perhaps too idly, on behalf of my backward reach. It has carried me far from my rather evident proposition that if we saw the natural so happily embodied about us, and in female maturity, or comparative maturity, scarce less than in female adolescence, this was because the artificial, or in other words the complicated, was so little there to threaten it. The complicated, as we were later on to define it, was but another name for those more masked and violent assaults upon the social sense that we were to recognize subsequently by their effects, observing thus that a sense more subtly social had so been created, and that it quite differed from that often almost complete inward blankness in respect to any circumjacent, any constituted order to the exhibition of which our earlier air and our family scene had inimitably treated us. We came more or less to see that our young contemporaries of another world, the trained and admonished, the disciplined and governessed, or in a word the formed, relatively speaking, had been made aware of many things of which those at home hadn't been. Yet we were also to note, so far as we may be conceived as so precociously noting, though we were certainly incorrigible observers, that, the awareness in question remaining at the best imperfect, our little friends as distinguished from our companions of the cousinship, greater and less, advanced and presumed but to flounder and recede, elated at once, and abashed on the whole, but feebly sophisticated. The cousinship, on the other hand, all unalarmed and unsuspecting and unembarrassed, lived by pure serenity, sociability, and loquacity, the oddest fact about its members being withal that it didn't make them bores, I seem to feel as I look back, or at least not worse bores than sundry specimens of the other growth. There can surely never have been anything like their good faith, and, generally speaking, their amiability. I should have but to let myself go a little to wish to cite examples, saving that, in doing so, I should lose sight of my point, which is to recall again that whether we were all amiable or not, and frankly I claim it in a high degree for most of us, the scene on which we were so freely bloomed does not strike me when I reckon up, as extraordinarily unfurnished. How came it, then, that for the most part so simple, we yet weren't more inane? This was doubtless by reason of the quantity of our inward life, ours of our father's house in especial, I mean, which made an excellent, in some cases almost an incomparable, fond, for a thicker civility to mix with when growing experience should begin to take that in. It was also quaint among us, I may be reminded, to have begun with inward life. But we began, after the manner of all men, as we could, and I hold that if it comes to that, we might have begun much worse. I was in my seventeenth year when the raid and capture of John Brown of Harper's Ferry fame enjoyed its sharp reverberation among us, though we were then on the other side of the world, and I count this as the very first reminder that reached me of our living 
on our side in a political order i had perfectly taken in from the pages of punch which contributed in the highest degree to our education that the peoples on the other side so lived as there was no american punch and to this time there has been none to give small boys the sense and the imagination of living with their public administrators daniel webster and charles sumner had never become for my fancy members of a class a class which numbered in england by john leach's showing so many other members still than lords broom palmerston and john russell the war of succession soon arriving was to cause the field to bristle with features and the sense of the state in our generation infinitely to quicken but that alarm came upon the country like a thief at night and we might all have been living in a land in which there seemed at least nothing save a comparatively small amount of quite private property to steal even private property in other than the most modest amounts scarce figured for our particular selves which doubtless came partly from the fact that amid all the albany issue there was ease with the habit of ease thanks to our grandfather's fine old ability he had decently provided for so large a generation but our consciousness was positively disfurnished as that of young americans went of the actualities of business in a world of business as to that we all formed together quite a monstrous exception business in a world of business was the thing we most agreed differ as we might on minor issues in knowing nothing about we touched it and it touched us neither directly nor otherwise and i think our fond detachment not to say our helpless ignorance and on occasion since i can speak for one fine instance our settled density of understanding made us an unexampled and probably for the ironic smart gods of the american heaven a lamentable case of course even the office and the store leave much of the provision for an approximately complete scheme of manners to be accounted for still there must have been vast numbers of people about us for whom under the usages the assault on the imagination from without was much stronger and the filling in of the general picture much richer it was exactly by the lack of that filling in that we we more especially who lived at near view of my father's admirable example had been thrown so upon the inward life no one could ever have taken to it even in the face of discouragement more kindly and naturally than he but the situation had at least that charm that in default of so many kinds of the outward people had their choice of as many kinds of the inward as they would and might practise those kinds with whatever consistency intensity and brilliancy of our father's perfect gift for practising his kind i shall have more to say but i meanwhile glance yet again at those felicities of destitution which kept us collectively so genially interested in almost nothing but each other and which come over me now as one of the famous blessings in disguise there were artists in the prospect didn't mr tom hicks and mr paul duggan and mr c p cranch and mr felix darley this last worthy of a wider reputation 
capable perhaps even of a finer development than he attained more or less haunt our friendly fireside and give us also the sense of others landscapist cropsies and coals and kensets and bust producing iveses and powerses and mosiers hovering in an outer circle these were authors not less some of them vague and female and in this case as a rule glossily ringleted and monumentally breastpinned but mostly frequent and familiar after the manner of george curtis and park godwin and george ripley and charles dana and n p willis and for brighter lights or those that in our then comparative obscurity almost deceived the morn mr bryant washington irving and e a poe the last named of whom i cite not so much because he was personally present the extremity of personal absence had just overtaken him but as by reason of that predominant lustre in him which our small opening minds themselves already recognized and which makes me wonder to-day at the legend of the native neglect of him was he not even at that time on all lips had not my brother promptly master of the subject beckoned on my lagging mind with a recital of the gold bug and the pit and the pendulum both of which however i was soon enough to read for myself adding to them the murders in the rue morgue were we not also forever mounting on little platforms at our infant schools to speak the raven and lenore and the verses in which we praised the heroine as annabelle e falling thus into the trap the poet had so recklessly laid for us as he had laid one for our interminable droning not less in the other pieces i have named so far from misprising our ill-starred magician we acclaimed him surely at every turn he lay upon our tables and resounded in our mouths while we communed to safety even for boyish appetites over the thrill of his choicest pages don't i just recognize the ghost of a dim memory of a children's christmas party at the house of fourteenth street neighbors they come back to me as the beans who and what and whence and whither the kindly beans where i admired over the chimney-piece the full-length portrait of a lady seated on the ground in a turkish dress with hair flowing loose from a cap which was not as the caps of ladies known to me and i think with a tambourine who was somehow identified to my inquiring mind as the wife of the painter of the piece mr osgood and the so ministering friend of the unhappy mr poe there she throned in honour like queen constance on the huge firm earth all for that and her tambourine and surely we could none of us have done more for the connection washington irving i met with infant promptitude very much as i had met general scott only this time it was on a steamboat that i apprehended the great man my father under whose ever patient protection i then was during the summer afternoon's sail from new york to fort hamilton having named him to me for this long preservation before they greeted and talked and having a fact of still more moment to mention with the greatest concern afterwards mr irving had given him the news of the shipwreck of margaret fuller in those very waters fife island at least was just without our big bay 
during the great august storm that had within the day or two passed over us the unfortunate lady was essentially of the boston connection but she must have been and probably through emerson a friend of my parents mustn't she have held conversations in the finest exotic bostonese in new york emerson himself lecturing there to admiration since the more i squeeze the sponge of memory the more its stored secretions flow to remind me here again that being with those elders late one evening at an exhibition of pictures possibly that of the national academy then confined to scant quarters i was shown a small full-length portrait of miss fuller seated as now appears to me and wrapped in a long white shawl the failure of which to do justice to its original my companions denounced with some emphasis was this work from the hand of mr tom hicks aforesaid or was that artist concerned only with the life-sized the enormous as i took it to be the full length the violently protruded accessories in which come back to me with my infant sense of the wonder and the beauty of them as expressed above all in the image of a very long and lovely lady the new bride of the artist standing at a window before a row of plants or bulbs in tall coloured glasses the light of the window playing over the figure and the treatment of its glass and of the flower-pots and the other furniture passed by my impression for the sign of the master hand and was it all brave and charming or was it only very hard and stiff quite ugly and helpless i put these questions as to a vanished world and by way of pressing back into it only the more clingingly and tenderly wholly regardless in other words of whether the answers to them at all matter they matter doubtless but for fond evocation and if one tries to evoke one must neglect none of the arts one must do it with all the forms why i should so like to do it is another matter and what outside interest i may suppose myself to create perhaps still another i fatuously proceed at any rate i make so far as i can the small warm dusky homogeneous new york world of the mid-century close about us End of chapter five